Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 35. Say it, buddy. Say booyah. Booyah. Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 35. I'm Travis. Hey, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. You still have that tank top on over there? Man, it is hot outside, <laughs> so uh, tank tops are my life this time of year. Yeah, how's that for a visual, people? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, this is episode 35, and I yep. think what we, um, we've talked about is just compiling as many questions as we could that have been coming through either Facebook or Twitter or through support and just really have this session be about frequently asked questions. Yeah. Yeah. We get emails time to time and people ask really good questions and some of the things we cover in podcasts, there, there might be some duplicates tonight, but um, some of them we don't cover in podcasts. So it just kind of, um, I don't know, an idea we had that we would kind of talk about what people are asking us and how we answered it and maybe it'll help some people out there. Yeah, and if you're listening, what we've talked about doing is, you know, maybe making this uh, frequently asked questions version one. So um, if at any point we always encourage you to submit questions (coughs) to support at RunFit365 or um, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter um, we'd be happy to answer, and you know, I've said this in the past. Dan um, is super responsive to questions, so um, and he gives thorough feedback. So um, don't be afraid to you know connect with us. But before we jump into this, you know, last in episode thirty-four, we talked about crowdfunding um, and just kind of the work we're doing with Podbean, and you know, if you want to be a patron and give back to RunFit three sixty-five in the podcast. Um, there's ways for you to do that. But last time we gave a shout out to um, a screen name, but Stephanie, we wanted to call you out by name and say thanks again for the for the donation. That's huge. Um, and if others are interested, just go to runfit365.com and uh, click on podcast. And on the left um, column there, there's a way to just become my patron on Podbean. And, you know, if you want to give back or give something to... Um, support RunFit365. Um, it's an easy way to do it. Um, and then, Dan, you got like a care package from overseas, didn't you? We did. It was awesome. Our friend Nick from the UK, um, him and his wife, I think it, uh, they do a 10K every year. And uh, I doubt we had anything to do with the increase in volume on their race, but they uh, their race went up in a uh, number of participants by quite a bit. I can't remember, something like uh, 40 people or something, so pretty tremendous. But he wanted to thank us and sent us a cool package, um, gave us one of their medals, gave us a water bottle, and um, a brand of lube that I think, I don't know if it's, uh, it's, it's like a petroleum jelly product. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, we've talked about the various, you know, Vaselines and stuff. And he, Nick swears by this brand. I don't know if it's available everywhere, but... Um, you know, I might give it a try since we have some free samples. Thank you, Nick. And, um, you know, maybe do a little bit of a review on that. 
Yeah, you know what? I'll do the same this weekend on my long run. I'll use that. Let's give a give a report out in episode thirty six. But Nick, thanks so much. Um, really cool stuff. Awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, Dan. So let, let's jump right into these frequently asked questions, and um, I, I think you've compiled a list of uh, of around ten. So we'll get through as many as we can. Yeah, I have a feeling. I told Travis to cut me off when we get. Uh, far enough to where we're getting too close to, you know, 30, 40 minutes. So I have a feeling we'll probably be cut off. But what I thought I would do is just mention the first name of the person who sent it, read the basically the question, a little bit of the, the question that they have, and, and kind of answer how I answered them and just talk through those a little bit. Uh, so the first one, there's, a, there's three or so from Abby. Um, she says, I'm training for the Chicago Marathon and recently downloaded your 16-week free training plan. This will be my first marathon, third attempt, and she's had a couple injuries before, so she couldn't uh, accomplish that in the past few times. Um, she's been following the Hal Higdon's Novice Supreme training, but um, wants to get faster and stronger. Um, so wanted to get your thoughts on hill repeats because I recently had an IT band issue that my doctor thought was caused by adding hills to my increased mileage when training for a marathon in addition to my hips not being strong enough. She went through PT, and it, it went away, um, but she has not been uh, adding hills back because she doesn't want to get injured again, which is a good thought. Um, so she's asking, do you, would you still recommend incorporating hills um, as the schedule that she downloaded suggests, or should she do something different? So um, very good questions, and I'm sure she's not the only one. IT band issues are very common, and um, <clears throat> hill repeats can certainly add to that. So my, my first suggestion for anybody um, um, experiencing similar issues is definitely follow your doctor's lead on that. Uh, I suspect that if her doctor um, suspected the Hills were giving her those issues that they probably wouldn't want her to continue with that. So, you know, obviously talk to your doctor if you're in the same boat and get there perspective on things. Maybe, maybe you're in a better shape and, and doing hill repeats is okay. But thinking about what, what is the main benefit of hill repeats? And we do hill repeats because it's really sports-specific strength, right? It builds the, the joints, the muscles that contribute to running, and running up a hill makes those stronger. So, you know, there's other ways to accomplish that. Hill repeats might be uh, worse on your, your tissues than, say, doing some good strength routines. So, you know, two or three times a week, adding a good strength routine might be a better way to go. So again, checking with your doctor or physical therapist or whoever you're working with, um, make sure that it's in the direction for your recovery. But you can add things like squats or lunges or, you know, those muscle groups that support running that will uh, strengthen those muscles and essentially give you the same result as hill repeats, but maybe not with the, with the same sort of bad uh, effects. So that's her first question. And Travis, if you have any additions or whatever, just you know, butt in like you usually do. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay, her second question is, I've been doing a, a low-carb paleo diet, limiting her intake to uh, 50 grams, I believe, grams of carbs per day, and she's noticing a decrease in her performance. Um, because she's so strict in regimenting what she eats. Um, she's asking, you know, how many carbs uh, would be good for her to eat 
is, is 50 too low. Um, and, and so 50 grams of carbs for most people is a really low amount. Um, and definitely if you're getting too few carbs and your body's demanding it for certain runs, you can certainly feel a, a reduction in your performance. So uh, 50 is low for probably a person that doesn't run, um, and especially for like an endurance athlete. And there's lots of recommendations out there. I actually uh, didn't prepare enough, that might surprise some, um, to actually bring that recommendation here today. Um, but rather than focusing on, you know, you must eat uh, 120 grams of carbs a day or, or whatever, I'd rather focus on making just good decisions with carbs. Um, I, you know, when you count calories, count carbs, that's one way to go, but that also takes a lot of time and effort. So focus instead on making good carb decisions, uh, making those high quality things that, you know, high grains, um, things that will actually uh, provide your body nutrition versus just calories. Uh, and, and if you want to remove carbs, because a lot of people, especially early on in their training cycle, want to lose their uh, you know, stubborn weight and get down to race weight, um, one way you can do that is reducing or removing the grains in your diet. So don't cut out all the carbs altogether, but you can reduce or remove breads, rices, pastas, cereals, uh, the things that you might identify as a grain early on in your training cycle because typically your, your early stages of the training cycle will be more your aerobic and, and low um, intensity workouts. They don't require quite as many uh, carbs to get you through, through the workout and if you don't eat a lot of grains and you're doing those, those low intensity workouts, your body will actually start to um, get better at utilizing your fat and trans, making those fat molecules break down into energy. And, and you know we all have an unlimited supply of fat for energy. So that's a good thing to train your body to do early on in the cycle. And instead of those grains, pile your plate full of veggies and fruits and those carbs that are high quality and uh, give your body the micronutrients it needs um, to recover and build and that sort of stuff. Um, so quality versus quantity is really important. And then, you know, later on in the training cycle when you're starting to add more intensity, uh, more intense workouts require a little bit more energy. So having those carbs in the diet uh, are a little bit more important. So you can gradually add back those grains um, and again, think quality versus uh, quantity in that regard. So that was number her number two question. Yeah, for not being prepared to provide an answer to that question, Dan, you rocked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know how. You as did. I was reading through it, I thought, you know, I I never gave her an answer about you know here's how you can calculate how many carbs you should eat. But oh, you were all, talking about the calculation piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, in a. If you want to count your calories, that's one way to go, and I could bring that back to a podcast. Um, and there's various, you know, recommendations, but they're all pretty similar. My problem with that is it, it's not that part of it's not really a science. You want to get a certain level of science there, but the art of it is, you know, you want to eat enough carbs to make your workout a good workout, but not overdo it. So. I'd, I'd hate to direct people. You need X per X carbs per kilogram per you know. 
then then people are eating potentially more than they need or not enough and not getting the real benefit. So I guess listen to your body is the main thing. Um, she also has a, a question about a piece of equipment she has. She has a Garmin Forerunner 220, and she said, I wonder how, how you time your fartleks and how you utilize your watch if you use, if you use one. Wondering how to set up um, how to set those up and get them to her watch. So I don't know all the different pieces of equipment out there. Maybe that's something we can do some research on and bring back. But I do know that I'm a big fan of Garmin, and I'm a big fan of Garmin Connect, which is a website um, that's free. You can create an account through Garmin. I think it's GarminConnect.com, and uh, you know you can sync your data through your watch. You can uh, do lots of different things on there. What I really like about having a Garmin and using the Garmin Connect is you can actually create those workouts. Um, you know, basically, like a, think of a fartlek. You might have three minutes of low intensity, followed by two minutes of medium or moderate intensity, and then a minute of high intensity, um, and then you repeat that five times. But you can actually build those stages in a workout in Garmin Connect. And on some watches, and maybe all of them, I don't know, you can actually, once you've created it, send it to your watch and then be able to just hit the start button and it walks you through each one of those phases. Um, you can add a cool down and a warm-up on that as well. So um, I, I, she wasn't sure, she wasn't thinking that her watch could do that, but in case you guys have a watch that's, um, you know, that utilizes that function or, or has that ability, it's definitely worth taking a look. It saves you lots of time. Um, in fact, I didn't put it in this podcast, but another gentleman asked, um, you know, is there a way that you can get your plans all uploaded to a watch? And um, Garmin Connect is about the only way you can do it, but it's only individual. I'd love the ability to, you know, send out a spreadsheet or something to people so they could automatically upload a, a full you know, 16-week plan or something, and I, to this date, have never been able to figure that out. So if any anybody's a technology guru out there and, and knows of ways to do that, please let us know because we'd love to build that in. Yeah, as you were walking through that, Dan, I just jumped on and did a quick search for the Forerunner 220, and it does look like um, it tracks distance, pace, heart rate, identifies personal rec records, Connected features automatically uploads to Garmin Connect, live tracking, social media sharing, and it's compatible with their plans on Connect. So that makes me think that um, the functions you described, as far as going into Garmin Connect and you know building your fartleks or tempo, you know whatever workout, um, you can push that right to your watch. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a cool looking watch. There's a lot of cool-looking watches yeah. out there. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Adrian. Adrian had a good question for us. Um, she says, I'm following your 16-week basic half plan. Um, the longest run on that plan is two hours. <laughs> her her uh, first half was at the end of May, and she finished in three hours and four minutes. Um, her question is, do you think I need to increase any of my long-run distances or increase any other runs in order to better prepare for the extra hour, I'll be out there beyond my longest run. That's a really good question, and a lot of people have that question, uh, especially if you're a slower runner. Um, you, you might find that two hours doesn't get you 
the nine or ten miles that a lot of other people get before a half marathon. So first, let's, let's think, think about what the long run does for you. So the big, the big thing about the long run is, you know, developing your aerobic system, um, teaching your body to be efficient at using up uh, energy sources such as fat, um, you know, burning down your glycogen stores so that you can store more glycogen later, um, just exhausting your body and, and teaching your body to, you know, run on exhausted legs. Those are all sort of the physiological, some mental components of that long run. Um, but maybe one of the more important things is building confidence. So a lot of people will run nine or 10 miles before a half marathon and you think to yourself, well, if I can do nine or 10 miles, 13.1 isn't that hard. Or somebody that runs a 20 miler before a marathon and as long as you can run 20 miles, it feels like you could do six more. So that, that confidence builders is a pretty key thing. So thinking about her uh, previous race time of three hours and four minutes, that's around a 14 minute mile pace. Um, and, and doing a two-hour training run at a long run pace for her would get her around seven and a half to eight miles. So, you know, you're not getting, she wouldn't be getting a nine or ten mile, um, you know, long run before uh, a race. And so you might think that's not enough. But we just talked about a marathon, and, and people run uh, a 20 miler before a marathon, and a marathon is 26.2 miles. So thousands and probably millions of people go out there and run 6.2 miles longer than they've ever run before um, and complete their marathon. So it, it, it's physiologically possible, and most people don't need to go 9 or 10 miles before a half marathon. But, uh, you know, it, so what it boils down to is what level of confidence do you need to be able to get through it on race day? So, you know, it, this is this is a hard one because when you when you look at one of our plans, they're very well balanced um, in terms of recovery and building up, uh, so you're not getting too much too soon. But you know, some people might be ready to go a little bit more, and so what I suggested to her is to add about ten percent, and you could probably go as much as ten or fifteen percent to your long run volume, not your total volume for the week. Uh, but to your long run volume. So, for example, um, if you were if you had scheduled an hour run, and uh, you added ten percent to that, that'd be about an hour and six minutes. That's not a lot, but over you know a sixteen week period, um, adding ten to fifteen percent. Let's say she went as high as fifteen percent. Um, that'd be running about a, a two hour and eighteen minute run, and that would get her. Um, around nine miles or so. So it's getting a little bit closer to that threshold that a lot of other people get to, maybe building a little bit more confidence. I wouldn't be worried about the physiological part of that um, as much as the mental part of that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's sort of a unique thing for everybody. Um, all right, so next one is from Andy. He had uh, a few, I believe. So... Um, he starts out, I had my first marathon on the start of May and then had a recovery period. For the past month, I've been running as much as I like and mixing it up with fartleks, trail runs, interval work on a track, hills, easy and long runs. Um, some, of this is trying, uh, some of this is trying new things um, so that he can hit the ground running in the next training cycle. 
but he's been running between 40 and 50 kilometers per week uh, for the past four weeks. So, and his last uh, long run was about an hour and 40 minutes. So he's looking to start a new 16-week cycle and training for a, a November marathon. In the previous emails, let's see, I can't read my own notes here. So he's looking at the plan and seeing the volume and uh, the, the volume of running at the beginning of the 16-week plan is, is a lot less than what he's currently doing. Uh, the long run in the first week is only an hour, so it feels like he's taking a step backwards, right? So you, you've, you're coming and you're doing a lot of volume and uh, starting a new plan. It feels like you're, you're taking a step back. This is, I've heard this multiple times, by the way. So he, he says, he asks the question, so I'm looking for some guidance. Should I, number one, treat the few first weeks as a recovery week, even though I'm feeling good and don't feel like I need to recover? Number two, take the plan and build in an additional running, like 15 minutes at 15 minutes to the long run or 15 minutes to this run or whatever. Um, or number three, use a different plan, like a 16-week advanced plan. Very good questions, and a lot of people, especially those runners that just go out there and can't, you know, they, they don't know how to recover. They, all they know how to do is, is go go full bore. Um, they, they could be struggling with the same thing. Um, so number one, starting in, in starting over and creating like a recovery week, uh, that's definitely something he could do, and a lot of people do that. So it could start the beginning of the 16-week intermediate plan for him and treat the first few weeks like recovery. However, I feel like that's probably going to be disappointing for him. Um, number two, which was take the plan and, and just add 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, I wouldn't recommend. And the reason for that is uh, thinking about how balanced the plans are, and they're, they're very balanced so that you don't get injured. If you kind of willy-nilly add 15 minutes here, add another run here, you're probably going to upset that balance and potentially put yourself for some overtraining or some risk for injury. And I wouldn't recommend number three, uh, which was um, instead of the intermediate plan, the advanced plan. Um, the advanced plan is more about intensity rather than volume. So uh, it's better to have years under your belt before you go for something advanced like that. So that's not a good option either. However, um, what I suggested to him is something that might apply to several people here. If you're doing a lot of that volume already, uh, like he was doing uh, you know, 40 to 50 kilometers per week, and I'm not going to be able to do that math quickly, um, and I had to convert that to miles for the people near us, but Come he's, on, he's putting in... Step up your game. I know. Come on. <laughs> he, um, he's obviously doing a fair amount of volume. And so uh, one thing he could do is the, the first four weeks typically of a good plan is building a base. So you have a lot of low intensity running um, and you're focusing on building the volume over time. And around that fifth week or so, at least in our plans, we start to typically build up a lot more of that intensity. So what I suggested to him, this might apply to you, is to take the same level of plan, so an intermediate plan, but uh, four weeks longer. So I suggest to take a 20-week intermediate plan and start at week five. And so basically treating his, the, the running he had been doing as the base period and to pick up at week five where the volume um, and the intensity might feel a little bit closer to what he's been doing. Now, the, the tricky part to that is, you know, it, it's possible that it doesn't really sync up 
with what you're doing, so you have to be careful with that. But I think in his case it did, and it made sense for him to start doing that. So he didn't feel like he was taking too many steps backwards and um, also allowed him to follow a structured plan. So that was one of his questions. Um, another question he had is, um, do off days need to be totally off, or can I do light run, swim, cycling, yoga, stretching, rowing machine, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he, he likes the idea of doing at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, and but he, at the same rate, he doesn't want to sabotage any race or, or plan. Uh, excellent question, and I, I know several people that would rather do activity every single day versus taking a day off. So this is, this is very unique to everybody, um, and the focus should always be on recovery, making sure you're recovery or recovered, um, and don't risk overtraining or sabotaging your race, obviously. So if, if doing light activity on those days is okay for your body, if you, if you know that um, if you try that out and it's, it, you're still getting recovered and monitoring, uh, keeping sure you're, you're recovered, um, then doing a light activity like yoga, walking, um, something really, really light in activity is okay. Um, there's, there's plenty of athletes that do that. Uh, it's, it's not unheard of at all, but um, just focusing on making sure you're getting recovery and making sure it's a light activity. My suggestion is not to do more running if you can, if, if you do another sport like he suggested. Um, but if you do end up running in a light zone, make sure it's zone one. It's very recovery-focused. It's very short, like 20 minutes. Don't do a lot of um, a lot more running on those off days. Uh, so if you do some activity on those, just make sure it's light and hopefully uh, something more cross-training wise. And then his uh, third question is, given my target race on a road marathon, there is a road marathon, can trail running be worked into a training plan? The bulk of my running is on paved surfaces, but I do, do enjoy getting out on the trail and I have access to both fairly flat trails along the river, more challenging trails, um, et cetera, et cetera. So absolutely, I'm a big fan of trail running. Um, I think it's really good to, to break up the monotony and shake it up a bit by adding different terrains. We actually have a whole podcast on terrains. Um, and it, you know, it provides you some benefit, not only just the, the monotony of running, but helps, you know, the, the uneven surfaces can help build supporting tissues and muscles in a different way. Uh, so what I suggest is a good place to start would be on the flatter trails, on the easier runs. So if you have flat trails you can run on, uh, start with some easy runs that way. And you can actually, you know, if you have more challenging trails, have some hills and things, you could start doing fart legs and hill repeats, that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't advise doing a whole lot of high-intensity things on trails just because of that uneven surface. Uh, you, you know, if you're doing a, I don't know, um, tempo run or something and you hit a root and you fall and then break something, you certainly don't want to risk yourself there. So um, just keep in mind that it introduces uneven surfaces and uh, to take a lot of extra care in doing them and uh, you know, keep the intensity at a moderate level at most. All right, those are all his questions. How are we doing on time, Travis? You've got about three minutes. 
Three minutes. Okay. <laughs> no. How's that for precision? No. Man. We, we're, that's, that's... we're around 27 minutes, and I know we try to keep these close to 30. Um, so maybe a couple more. Okay. Uh, I'm going to scroll down here. I'm going to scroll down to one that's a little shorter. Okay, this one's from... And the nice thing about trail running, too, it just kind of mixes up the monotony of kind of running on the roads, and it gets you in a different environment. Um, I don't see anything but positives with that, as long as, you know, to your point, Dan, you you kind of ease into it and just kind of um, be smart about it. But I think it's a nice way to complement your training. Absolutely. Very much so. Okay, so I'm going to start with this uh, this one here. So let's see. Since da, 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 da. I have one question. This is from Chris. Um, should I use the same pace on an easy 30-minute run that I would use for an easy 60-minute run, or should all easy miles be the same pace regardless of time running? I feel like I could increase my pace on shorter run and still run easy and then run at a slower pace for a longer run. It's a very good That's question. That's a good question. Very good question. <laughs> really good question. Yeah. Um, and so, first of all, bravo for slowing down, because a lot of athletes have a hard time slowing down. Um, you know, that slow, easy intensity running is very important for lots of different reasons that we've already talked about, but um, great for slowing down. And the good thing is, easy runs and longer runs, uh, so let's just say easy run and long run. They fall within the same pace range, so you know technically speaking, they are they should be run at a similar pace. But if you look at those ranges, those are pretty large ranges, so you can have a very different feel on each of them. So I, I took an example. Um, we've got a, in our plans. We've got some guidelines for you know if this is your your goal pace for a half marathon. Here's the range that you might consider for a um, easy intensity. So looking at that that grid if if you were going for a nine minute marathon or sorry a nine minute half marathon the easy and long run pace range would be uh, a 921 pace to a 1040 pace that's a really big range that's basically a minute 20 second range difference Um, and most pretty much all ranges uh, for easy run and long run fit that criteria so it's, it's very you could definitely take a short easy run and run more towards the 921 side of that and then take a longer run and run towards the 1040 side of that and get the same benefits out of both um, same thing with heart rate ranges you know if you've got a you've got a heart rate range there you could run towards the beginning of that heart rate range or the end of it depending on um, you know if it's shorter or longer uh, but the main thing is making sure that it feels right so r- really dialing in that running by feel uh, because really, you know, a pace can tell us so much, a heart rate monitor can tell us so much, but uh, if it doesn't feel right, that's when it's it's not right. So, you know, maybe focus more on how it feels and make that conversational pace real. That was her question. Do we have time for one more or we need to call it a day? Let's do it. Let's do one more. Bonus round. Right. Bonus round. Okay. So let's see. I got two to choose from. Uh, one is really long. All right, so <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go with this one. 
we have Amy has um, she's an overachiever, and that's a compliment, Amy, if you're listening. Uh, she's she's just she emailed me red for her first half marathon. She completed an hour and fifty four, which is awesome. That is awesome. That's awesome for your hundredth half marathon. Yeah. Um, she was shooting for a one forty five, so she was a little disappointed, but uh, I, I reassured her and said, you know, it's it's really good to get a one fifty four. Um, she thought she might have overtrained a little bit and felt tired during the last couple of weeks. Um, she, <clears throat> she said she should have listened to her body more, um, but just wanted that time for some reason and, and couldn't let it go. So she went really hard. Um, let's see. Just I like the it. way Amy rolls already. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> so let's see. After completing some of the speed walk workouts, felt amazing and strong. All right, so uh, so first I congratulate her for a sub-two hour. That's pretty awesome. And she got a lot of other PRs. I'm not doing her email very much justice out of the sake of time. But I, I did want to point out that you know a lot of people don't trust the, uh, the taper in marathons and half marathons. It's really hard. We've talked about this before to go through all the volume and intensity and, and then you know keep some of the intensity but a lot less volume in that taper period. Um, so a lot of people overdo it. And so it sounds like in her, her situation, um, that general tiredness she speaks of, especially during that taper period where you should be getting more and more energy, is a pretty good sign that she hadn't recovered enough um, from the training and really take advantage of that, that taper. Um, so, you know, the taper really gives your body enough time to adapt to all the training and that resting during that time is really important. Um, it's really hard to slow down. We just talked about this with Chris. Uh, you know, she, she chose to slow down and, and is feeling the benefits of that. Um, so in, in Amy's case, having just come off that taper and had a great race and, and how she explained how she felt during that taper uh, that to me is the a reason for her to to rest. So, for example, if you feel similar to that during your taper period, you know maybe you had a good race, maybe you didn't, but during the taper and afterwards, you feel kind of tired and worn down. Uh, you really need to consider doing a lot more recovery. Uh, maybe that's some taking time off, some some running, doing some other activity. Uh, we talked about that in our last of the race day series podcast as well. Um, but if you start back too soon or don't get enough recovery in that period of time, uh, you, you're definitely at risk for overtraining and sabotaging future races. So uh, for, for Amy and those other overachievers that um, you know, really want to hammer it all the time, definitely take advantage of, of the easy runs. Uh, don't skip the easy runs. The fast ones make you fast, but too much fast makes you slow. Yeah. So I, I think that probably there's one more, but we can – we can get to that on maybe the next episode we do this. Yeah, well, um, let's get some feedback from the listeners. But um, I think that was really cool just to kind of a quick compilation of all the, um, you know, questions people send. Because my guess is if one person has that question, there's probably hundreds if not thousands of other people that have had the same question at some point. Mm-hmm. So um, this, in my opinion, was a first kind of pass at what this frequently asked question version 1.0 might look like and as always Dan you prepare for these things so well um, and, and I don't know how you do it um, <laughs> you even brought your game on the carb question you didn't know the 
specific algorithm for calculating carbs, but you recover nicely. <laughs> well, you know what? I, how I do it is I uh, I don't get any sleep, so <laughs> I sabotage my own races. There you go. I was wondering what your secret was. <laughs> awesome. So um, that's pretty much a, a wrap for the Frequently Asked Question uh, podcast, episode 35. Um, any final words of wisdom, Dan? No, just let us let us know if this is a good forum for people, and I, we really do love hearing people's questions. It, it makes me, you know, think about things a little bit differently sometimes. So please send them in if you got them, and uh, maybe you'll be part of the second 2.0. Perfect. All right. Thanks again, Dan, and um, until next time, happy training. <laughs>